Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Our next guest has helped us understand various stages of the six-year-long journey of a case that finally reached the United States Supreme Court last year and finally produced a decision this morning. The world of sports gambling in our country as we know it has changed dramatically thanks to the United States Supreme Court striking down as illegal slash unconstitutional a 1992 law that basically said, hey, Nevada, you can keep doing what you're doing. Few other states can have smaller scale sports betting. The rest of you, uh, no, not allowed. Daniel Wallach, check out his Conduct Detrimental podcast and follow him online or on Twitter at Wallach Legal. Daniel, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? Hey, thanks for having me back on. Uh, what, a, what a historic day. Great, perfect time to have me. Great to have you back. Tell us, what are your first bullet point reminders to just casual sports fans out there trying to make sense of what all this means? Well, uh, the most important thing to bear in mind is that the Supreme Court did not legalize sports betting today. Uh, all it did, and this is an important, important step that it took, is it removed the prohibition under federal law against states to legalize sports betting. There's been, there's been this law called PASPA on the books since 1993 that prohibited states from sanctioning, licensing, or authorizing sports betting. So it essentially confined legal sports betting to the state of Nevada and to uh, Delaware uh, for parlay wagering, and no state could crack that divide unless it took a challenge directly to PASPA, which is exactly what New Jersey did. So for the casual sports fan, you're going to be able, depending on the state where you reside, you might be able to bet on sports, but it's going to be up to your state legislature to pass a law that would allow it. And, and right now, if you're in North Carolina, that is not one of the states that I've heard about being in the conversation. So uh, North Carolina may not be one of the first movers on this, may not even be a second or third mover. The states that are likely to opt or, or move quick, most quickly here are, are, are West Virginia, Delaware, New Jersey, Mississippi, and potentially New York and Illinois. But it's really going to be up to other state lawmakers as to how they address this. Daniel Wallach joining us on the David Glenn Show. What are the estimates that you find credible when it comes to the amount bet illegally in the United States each year? I saw like Nevada had $5 billion bet legally last year. What is your – I know there's all sorts of numbers out there. What number makes the most sense to you when it comes to what is currently illegal that might become legal in a lot of states? I, I think it's commonly accepted that 150 billion is the benchmark uh, that 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 many many of the you know key voices in the in the debate are using gambling compliance and and uh, which is a respected trade publication, the American Gaming Association. Some think that it's even higher. I think Adam Silver believes it's 500 billion. The point is that the uh, amount of the wagering um, is going to pale in comparison to the economic impact that it creates across the casino industry and across the sports industry. So to, to truly measure what legal sports betting will do to these industries, I think one needs to look beyond the amount of wagering and consider all the other ancillary revenue possibilities. I mean, for, for, for tracks and casinos, you're going to be getting visitors 
first-time visitors that would not have otherwise been interested in going to a casino. But now if that's the only way they can bet on sports, uh, you're going to be seeing a, a new customer base, a new, a new demographic coming in uh, to gamble on sports, to eat in the restaurants, to gamble at, at dice games and play cards, play poker. So the overall economic impact will go way beyond the amount of the wagering. And that's also true of the sports leagues. They're going to benefit from a greater fan engagement and, 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 and their television ratings should, should uh, generate a little bit of an uptick. So I think the, um, the economic impact of sports wagering is, is, is vast and not limited to the bets. This is going to be, as you said, a state-by-state decision moving forward. And many people feel like sometimes their voices don't matter because politicians at least have to lend some ear to their constituents. It's going to matter state by state what people think about the possibility of legal sports betting. My question to you is, as you've been following this stuff for decades, is it true that if you polled the Americans, you know, Americans two decades ago, it was a closer call with a lot more people against the idea of legalized sports betting? And, and more recently, I've seen estimates that two-thirds of Americans are now okay with it. Has that been just like a, a, a tidal wave-type shift that you've seen over the last couple decades? Uh, yeah, I think that's an accurate characterization of the shift that has been occurring in the United States. But I wouldn't call it a, a tidal wave or or suggest that it's an overnight occurrence. I think it has been building for a quarter of a century. The, the, the public sentiment in the early 90s, which really did uh, kind of create a, a, an opportunity for PASPA to become enacted, yeah. this was right around the time of the Pete Rose scandal. And in the early 90s, there were very few states that even had casinos. It was just Nevada, New Jersey, and then in 1993, Mississippi became the third state. And fast forward to today with the growth of the Internet and daily fantasy sports uh, being readily available to anyone with a mobile phone or, or an app and casinos now in as many as 30 states, I think there's been a liberalization of gambling and a shift in, in attitudes about the, um, you know, about the sort of the, you know, just the label of gambling. It used to be a problematic association, and I think gambling has gone mainstream. Uh, and the, the change in attitudes has led, I think, to an environment in which now state lawmakers are not going to be encountering too much resistance to their efforts to legalize sports wagering. The opposition isn't going to come from the public. The opposition is going to come yeah. from the uh, stakeholders who don't think they're getting enough of the actions, for, like by way of example. This little this casinos and the sports leagues that are, are not finding common ground on, on issues relating to an integrity fee or a rights fee. I think the, I think the stakeholder battles are yeah. probably going to be more problematic uh, in getting bills passed than any consumer opposition. In fact, I think this is a good thing for consumers. Wouldn't you rather have the opportunity to wager in a legal, regulated environment where there are consumer protections and safeguard and recourse to the courts and to regulators? So uh, if, there's, if there's any opposition forming a sports gambling, it's one that's based upon a moral opposition as well as maybe the suggestion in some quarters that expanded gambling isn't such a good thing. But, but by and large, I think the public overwhelmingly supports the ability of states to determine for themselves uh, whether they wish to legalize it. And, and this, this invalidation of the federal law, I think, is going to be, it will be welcomed and appreciated by vast segments of our, of, of our population. It's a decision that will be popular, but now it's up to the states to determine as a public policy matter whether 
creating a legal environment for sports betting is something that those states want to do. But at least they have the choice now. And prior to today, they lacked that choice. It is a whole new world. Should we get in state by state? And then if yes, how do we get in? There are, and, and as Daniel said, there are stakeholders left and right waiting to pounce. In some states, the, the machine is already underway to get this stuff rolling. I got to let you go now. I'm, I'm, I'm up against the clock, but thank you for the time. I know it's been a very busy day for you given this landmark Supreme Court case. We'll, we look forward to your next visit here on the David Glenn Show. I'm looking forward to it, too. Thank you for inviting me on today, David. Thank you got you. it. Daniel Wallach did not play third base for the Montreal Expos back in the day. That was Tim Wallach. No relation that we know of. Daniel Wallach, check out his Conduct Detrimental podcast and follow him on Twitter at Wallach Legal, gaming and sports attorney, one of our two go-to guys on this crazy topic. The world as we know it has changed.